All right, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. Uh, my name is Jeremiah. And I'm Chad. And we have two exciting guests uh, on today. We have Ryan and Evan, creators of After the Empire. And I'm super excited to have them on today, specifically because they're local to us. And they made an awesome game. And I did the count. Over 235 miniatures. If like you did, if you did it right, that's pretty impressive. We love our miniatures, but we also we talk a lot about other kinds of games, board games, RPGs, that sort of thing. Why don't you say hi to everyone? Hey, how's it going, hi, Ryan? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and um, I want I want to get started uh, just by uh, hearing a little bit about your story. I want to just kind of both of you have a deep background and in the hobby. And so I want to just hear a little bit from how you, uh, where you came from and, and to get to this point, and then we'll kind of flesh out some more later. So either one of you can go first. Evan's older, so he has a longer story. So why don't you start? <laughs> okay. okay. I see how it is. Uh, I am the elder betwixt the two of us. Um, so I grew up, um, you know, playing D and D. Uh, I was born in 79, so I didn't quite catch the beginning of it, but, uh, you know, I grew up playing d d in my, in my early young teens, uh, some other random stuff, even, yeah, when I was a little bit younger, Top Secret was a game, and there was Middle Earth role-playing, and there was GURPS, and there was Battletech, and Mech Warrior and I forget which one was the minis and which one was the, uh, role-playing system, but I played both, <laughs> and, um... You know, you have your big old huge map, and it takes you six hours to fire a laser. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's classic. Uh, so that was me in my te- in my teenage years. Uh, my you know my greatest gaming love was and probably still is D anD D, although not so much in practice because you know uh, pandemic happens. Yeah, and you don't get to play D anD D very much. Um, my close second is board games, which, uh, you know, I never really got that into until I had a board game store in Portland called Red Castle Games, which still is around. You should go in. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we you stock board games. Uh, I got into uh, Magic when I was in my teens as well. Magic the Gathering. Played a whole bunch of that, obviously. Uh, that's one of the things that Ryan and I bonded over when when we were in our 20s and, and waiters at some restaurants together and we uh, would is hang that, out. Is that how you met, was working together? It was working together and then we would just like hang out and play tons of magic. Oh, you're I, nerdy? Yeah. I'm nerdy too. We should hang out. Right? We should hang oh, out. You that's like how I met friends like that. <laughs> uh, so, so um, yeah, then magic and then I started the the game store with Matthew, uh, which also was bonding over uh, playing nerdy games together. Magic and uh, Dr. Mario were the two for us. Uh, and uh, we... <laughs> anyway, um, all the songs are still in my head. <laughs> all right. Uh, so you uh, start the board game store. We were, I was there for about six years. I started getting into you know the resurgence, the American resurgence of board games that came yeah. a little delayed from uh, Germany and other places in Europe. 
Um, you know, I started with Carcassonne and, and those kinds of things. And then like Lords of Waterdeep came out and I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I played <laughs> Pillars of the Earth and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I like Euro games. This is great. Uh, and then um, Ryan said, let's make a board game together. Nice. Well, you're skipping over. You made a board game before that. I did make a board game before <laughs> that. Oh, <laughs> come oh. on! Oh, that's actually oh. dark secret. I've actually returned to it and and playtested it a few times recently, and it's still pretty good, I think. And so okay. I'm, I'm I still might do something with it, but I I did uh, I, I kickstarted a game in the wild west of kickstarters, um, like I don't know within the first year or two that it was op- that it existed. Nice. And uh, it was called Big Fish River at that time. You can still go on and find the video. And it is perhaps the longest, weirdest Kickstarter video ever made. <laughs> uh, so look for it. You might enjoy it. Uh, Big Fish River. <laughs> anyway, we've made some tweaks and I might, I might come back to it. But uh, I set the goal too high. I thought, I have a board game store. We've got fans. Yeah. That should be enough, right? <laughs> it's not enough. No. Yeah. <laughs> the funny Turns thing is, if I had aren't set... quite that loyal. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's like lots of people from our board game store did back it, but you need more than. You In know, Evan's yeah. defense, he actually had a successful Kickstarter campaign. He just set the bar too high, so it didn't yes. hit the the market needs to, yeah. to fund, and that was okay. because it was a small, lightweight family game, yeah. and so he needed way more individual purchases than, than he got, but yeah. he actually got a whole bunch of people to back it. It just wasn't yeah, enough because their individual backings were single yeah. copies at like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. Okay. And that didn't add oh, yeah. up to a total that was as high as he had set. Yeah. So, I, put, I, yeah. I put the minimum at 15 K and we got like 7,800 or something like that, which, which was you totally, made it for. Yeah. totally enough. Yeah. That's to print, still tons you know. of copies. Yeah. More than enough. So I, I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> basically. But I did produce a cool video. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know I'm gonna have to look for that. I'm gonna yeah, try to find it's, the link. It's quite a quite an interesting experience to watch. It gets pretty long in the tooth in the second half, but yeah, yeah. You, the game shows up about five minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Just lots of it was a piece of art. Yeah, it was a piece of art. You need. To I mean, true story. I love all those old Kickstarter uh, projects <laughs> that came out. You know, you get some person just sitting at his kitchen table and just like, "This is the thing that I created." You yeah. know, <laughs> support me. You know, and you know, and now it's, it's, it's a lot of videos now are really well produced. It seems. Yeah, like. kind of so, miss art. the old days. I I, I yeah. appreciate the products that are coming out of the new days, but I miss yeah. the like openness of the old days where you could just yeah. have a cool idea and have people believe in you. But yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. We we went a little overwrought on the video, let's say. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So so you've so design designing a game and actually creating a game, something you you've done before, and and is that something you enjoy? Uh, well, actually, that first game, it, the original design was by Chris Kelly. He's a buddy of mine. He was a customer at the store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really got a good brain for coming up with like family weight and kid, kids weight games. Um, and then basically I took on more of a development role okay. for that first game uh, rather than, I mean, I guess design and development are very interrelated, but I was more of a developer. Um, and that really got fun. 
And like, I, I really, I'm a, what do you call it? A critic? I love. <laughs> you harsh on games. I, yes. I love breaking things down and being like, that sucks. That doesn't work. This is horrible. That doesn't evoke the theme. Why would you do that? That's the worst way to possibly yeah. do that. Uh, well, and, same, you know? and, and so development kind of was a natural kind of expression of that tendency to be like, well, why don't you just do it the right way? Um, yeah. And Brian, <laughs> Brian has experienced this many, 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 many times. That's uh, okay. <laughs> it's I'll okay. Tell you yeah. what you should have done. And, you, and need, then, you need you need important people that can be firm critics about things like that if you want to make sure yeah. it's done right. Otherwise, it's, yeah. it's like it's like an editor. Like yeah. every writer yeah. needs a good editor. Yeah, you yeah. can't just have a bunch of developers who are yes men and be like, yeah, oh yeah, this is perfect. Like, no, right. yeah, I always use the record producer flops. analogy. That's like yeah. a you know, the developers like your record producer. It's like, yeah, you, you're a good musician, but if you want to be like marketable and tighter and all those things, yeah. You know? You gotta cut out album. that bridge, man. That yeah. bridge sucks. Bridge did yeah. suck. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta cut out that bridge, um, and you know, cut the course in half. So, so when Ryan was like, "Hey, man, let's make a game," uh, you know, it was basically it was his idea. You know, he came up with the theme and the idea and like how it would work together, where you've got like this Euro game as the engine with this tower defense. Like, I'm actually using plastic bits with Toy Factor to like defend yeah. my castle combination like he came up with the whole idea um and then uh you know we kind of worked on it together um but but i i really do feel you know that my role as our in our partnership with that is more on the development side uh not that i don't come up with mechanics and cool stuff but like mostly it's the world that he set up yeah. And then I just yeah. play in that sandbox yeah. regarding like coming up with new card ideas and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, really, I really like that. I like that. Ryan, why don't you give us a little bit about your background now? Yeah. So um, my background, it's definitely a lifelong gaming. Um, I will say, so I probably started off with like when I was a really little kid playing little hero quest matches with at friends houses and stuff like that. Um, Love hero quest. Oh yeah. And they, you know, they're really doing it too, which is cool. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like the first taste of like minis and stuff. And then I really attribute my, my best friend in childhood, kind of my more like middle school best friend, uh, my buddy Alex Cozen, he's the one who like I, we made fr fast friends in school, and then he brought me home like to his house one day, and he we started playing like Warhammer Fantasy, nice. and so I became like a Skaven player, and then that obviously led into Warhammer 40k, and then I did like Space Marines, like everyone does it first, and then went boo to that. I'm an orc player, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which now is Tyranids and a little bit of orcs. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like, you know, I credit him with kind of that real deep dive into like tabletop wargaming type stuff. Um, and we, we did a lot of that throughout high school and all those other times. And then um, magic has also been the whole time. I started magic in middle school. I think I was like un just at the tail end of unlimited probably is when I got yeah. in. And there's been several big gaps. Like I'll take like four or five years off when I get deep into like a non-gaming hobby. But then I've always yeah. come back to it. And now it's been solidly like 15 years of playing or something like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was a big kind of resurgence for me. I got back into magic right at the tail end of college when I kind of took some break for some years. Um, and then when I moved to Portland, you know, that was a way at Guardian Games, actually, in Portland is where I met a lot of my still current friends. Uh, so a lot of my best friends still playing uh, magic. And when EDH, which is now Commander, first started, that was like yeah. the big scene at Guardian back then. Every, yeah. I think it was like Tuesday or Thursday night. 
And so um, that was kind of my gaming thing here. And then much like how I met Evan is how I met Hans, who was one of my co-owners along with his wife, Kat, um, in the Portland game store when we founded that. But Hans and I were working at a restaurant together and we are working a double, which is, you know, you work a morning and an evening shift and they give you like an hour or two break in between for the law. You know, and um, <laughs> yeah, so Hans and I, I would go to, to like, <laughs> yeah, we'd be like working in the Pearl in Portland here. And then we'd go to uh, we went to Rogue Brewing and would like, you know, not let anyone know we were getting a drink in between our shifts, um, obviously. And and then we uh, but we discovered we both play magic. And then so Hans and I started playing like every week we drink a bottle of wine and play magic at my house. And that was like our little routine. Um, it was like casual it's a bottle know. of wine each. Right? Yeah, well, yes, sometimes for sure. <laughs> um but yeah, so Hans and I got into that, and that's kind of like, you know, Hans was really the one who introduced me to modern board gaming. He turned nice. me on to a lot of those, like, because I had played a little bit throughout here, but like really a lot more like miniature gaming than yeah. board yeah. gaming in the modern sense. And so, yeah, and then like Evan said, my story with him kind of started the same way. We were waiting tables together and found out we're both nerdy. Um, and I've known... Evan and Hans, almost as long as I've been in Portland, Hans definitely since like that first, you know, month being here and Evan since I think like a year later or something we met. So, and I've been here almost 15 years, but um, yeah, so that basically just led into, we were gamers together. We played games all the time on the side as like a core hobby. Um, and then, you know, I was working as an audio engineer for years and I was kind of getting to a point where I was really feeling like I was ready for a career change. Mm-hmm. And Hans, I, I had, it was a Friday night. I was working super late. I was frustrated because I had a client who like forced me to stay late and I had to cancel a date because of it, like a first date with someone. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, I'm getting Damn. like really burnt at this moment. And then Hans called me and he said, he said, hey, so I have a proposition for you. Don't say no. But if you say no, everyone doesn't get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, like out of nowhere, he's like, you want to open a game store with me? I had no idea he was searching for a properties for years. I had no idea he'd been dreaming about this. I was never actually the gamer who'd always dreamed of a game store. Evan was that gamer. And I remember Evan and Matt playing games at my kitchen table, talking about opening a game store before it happened. Like I was there for the inception of that. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so yeah, so we ended up opening the Portland game store. I left my job as an audio engineer. Um, And right before that happened, I think Evan and I's game design started about eight months to a year prior to the game store opening on After the Empire. It was slightly before that. But as he told, it was accurate. Basically, I had I just had been playing, you know, getting freshly into the new Euro game wave hitting America and specifically Agricola. I had been playing with like Hans. That was one of the few games in my collection that I really cherished at that point. And I was like, I love this worker placement mechanic. And just like there's no cool castle defense. Like, no, I love siege Mm -hmm. stuff. Like I grew up playing with like Playmobil castles was like my favorite toy as a kid. Um and so I just had this idea for like some basic mechanics and I, I knew what the general idea I wanted. And like yeah. Evan was just like, let's get to the table right now. Like I knew he had done yeah. big fish river and I knew we like hang out well together. So uh, yeah. And then it's actually been, I think now seven years, I think since that process started roughly. Yeah. Um, Six or seven, yeah. yeah we, we did about four, four and a half years of game design and development. And then gray Fox uh, approached us at a, at a convention, approached Evan at a convention and we sold it. Um, and then they sat on it for about two years and then the Kickstarter was September, 2019. So yep. there's the long way around kind of yeah. where I got to, to where we're at now with all that. That's pretty, did you ever, that's pretty cool. Did you ever think, think that you're going to be a game designer? 
No, I didn't. You know, um, my parents still laugh about it because I used to play a lot of video games when I was a kid. And they're like, you're never going to be able to make a career out of games. And it's like now I've in two different ways made a career out of games, although it's still Uh, not my main career. But I was going to say, I mean, I mean, if I kept owning the game store, that was my job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm Hmm. like, that's what my job now is, too, is I'm like, I'm basically the manager out at at renew board because i'm the full-time okay. employee so it's like it's usually myself and the and the store owner and it, like six or seven years ago a buddy of mine and i were kicking around the idea of opening a game store and we just not, never really followed through it and like i had i worked for i had worked at guardian for about two months uh years and years ago uh and now that I start, I work at Runeboard, I've been there for three years now, and I'm like, man, I'm really glad I don't own my own game store. I don't need that. <laughs> I'd, rather, yeah. I'd rather just be the full-time employee and be able to go home and go to sleep at night. You, go home, extent, yeah. you yeah. get a paycheck that hopefully clears when you catch the check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little easier to do the employee. Well, to the <laughs> yeah. same extent, that's kind of the same narrative of like, Evan and I were going to, we had gotten a bunch of art for the after the empire. We were going to kickstart it ourselves. We were like yeah. prepping for the launch yeah. and yeah. like, we were not looking to pitch it to design no. developer. Like we hadn't even thought of that. We were just like, yeah, mm-hmm. you kickstart a game as a new, new, like we didn't know how design to publishing worked really. Yeah. Um, or at least I didn't. Um, and so Evan was at a convention like trying to get people to kickstart it. Like we were trying to stir up like some yeah. buzz. So like yeah, we, we were just showing conventions for like a year or two. Yeah. We were just like showing it to people like, please kickstart this. Like, and, and then play testing and make yeah. changes. And, nice. and Evan was the one who did all the research on like how hard it is to get China to make molds for you. And he was not happy. Yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. Fulfillment distribution, you know, missing components, warehousing, shipping, like all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Fabrication. It was like, Oh, yeah, it's way nicer. yeah, it's way nicer. Yeah, way nicer to just sell your design, make less money, but then also kind of like <laughs> yeah. you know, not owning the game store, you just do the fun part. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's interesting that you that you shared that detail. I I, I don't think I was aware of that fact. That well, um, so it, it's Gray Fox is that who has it? Gray Fox oh, Games. Yeah. Gray Fox yeah. Games. So tell us about their your relationship with them. Just a quick aside, Ryan. Oh, yeah. I was chatting with someone last night an unnamed someone who had tried to become the publisher for it after the empire without us realizing it. What? I did not. It was like that. when you think that somebody knows that you hit on them, but they didn't pick up on it because you weren't explicit enough. It was one of those <laughs> moments where he was like, yeah, we wanted to publish your game. Wow. I had no idea. Tell me that story later though. I'm curious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was uh, like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> our, our relationship with Gray Fox anyways, Evan was there for the foundation of it because that year I was running like a game store, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. honestly, and after the empire would have died without Evan largely because of the fact that, you know, owning a game store while also at the time I was getting a master's degree was yeah. like yeah. not, not really a lot of free time. And he was the one who kept the ball alive. Yeah, um, really? It wouldn't yeah. have existed without Ryan. No free it time? Have, it yeah. wouldn't have finished without me correct um (laughs) but yeah and that i think that's probably true of most of our projects seemingly going forward as well um but anyways uh i uh i was not at this convention i had been to i think all the other conventions that year but evan went went to the other this was geek way to the west in st louis or near near i think it's in st louis okay or maybe Um, it's like right yeah, it's near that, yeah, because Gray Fox is St. Louis based, so that's why they that's like their home convention yeah um and so they were there um 
and they walked by the owner, Shane, right? Walked by the tables, as you said it. Uh, yeah. Or should you pick up this thread since you were there oh, for this sure. part? Yeah, yeah why don't you pick I'll it from here. your version. Okay, well, I'll go as you've told me and correct me if I'm wrong there. <laughs> Uh, but basically, Shane walked by the table, saw the shiny table factor because we'd already 3D printed walls and all the fanciness. Right. We, we had to build hype. We had commissioned almost all the art already. Yeah, so, like, it was looking decent. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, he walked by and like, what was that? And then he got his developer Josh, and they both came back, played with Evan. Then Evan like said, "Hey, this is this is suddenly this company wants to buy." It. And I know them because Champions in Midgard is like their right. big title. And I had played that. I owned that. Like I was, you know, yeah. and so I was, I don't think Evan knew them as well as I did as a company. No, yeah. I had heard of Champions of Midgard. But. Yeah. But I was like really stoked because Evan's like, out of nowhere, we have this opportunity. And so then it turned into like, basically it was a Skype call with like them before they played. And he's like, would you be interested in this? And then a Skype call after when like Shane actually didn't, the owner of Grey Fox didn't actually like his experience that much because well, our game, it. yeah, our game can be swingy. Uh, less so after development and you know like it's like if someone is not at all paying attention they can just get sacked over and over and it can feel bad yeah. we've, we've softened that but then Evan also is and continues to be the best player in the world at after the empire and he has no turn down button on playing well <laughs> so he like crushed the gray fox owners like horribly and he got sacked a bunch which like if you <laughs> If you don't have that Gray Fox oh, mentality, man. or if you don't have that like Galaxy Trucker watch yourself fail mentality, you don't necessarily always feel good getting sacked. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so man. yeah. So first, I played with Josh, the the, okay. the lead developer of Gray Fox, mm -hmm. and we had a great time. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. It was a great experience. And then I played with Shane, who uh, didn't fare as well, and I never go easy on anyone. So if you ever beat me. In a game, you know that it's legit. Like you really beat yeah. me because it wasn't going easy on you. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Some yeah. people appreciate, but uh, but anyway, it was not a great experience <laughs> for Shane. But nonetheless, uh, Josh was able to convince him. Yes, this is a good game. You did have a bad experience. Yes, we need to work on some development so that that experience doesn't happen to too many people very often. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a really good game, and we should do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the game now. Yeah. Why don't you give us give us the pitch? So that, what what made Shane and Josh love the game so much? Are you doing the pitch, Evan? No, it's you. That, I was trying oh, to point. Oh, that was pointing up at me in the four square. Gotcha. I don't know if we're in the same square. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, I'm the too. default pitcher. So <laughs> awesome. Um, so basically, after I'll just give the overview for people who don't know anything about it. So yes, after the Empire, uh, it is a castle defense game. Yeah, the main mechanic driving it is a worker placement game, which people would know about if they've played Agricola, Lords of Waterdeep, you know, Stone Age. Those are all some classic examples of what a worker placement game is. Um, I don't know if you're mostly miniature listeners or not, but hopefully that people know, know what that is. Yeah. Um, so that's the core engine of the whole game is this worker placement. You all take uh, alternative actions, alternating actions to do your stuff. And then at the end of that whole actions phase, everybody experiences an attack. And so the theme of the game is essentially this is after the after the fall of the Roman Empire. It's roughly historically accurate. Um, and the whole idea is you're these kind of disparate feudal lords that are left in the remnants of a big empire that has collapsed, insinuating Rome or whatever, you know. Okay. And so you're yeah. all kind of trying to be the best lord, but then essentially the invading horde has come burning through the lands. And rather than banding together to actually defend against it, you're all holding up in your castle and hoping everyone else is going to die and you'll, you'll survive the storm essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so after you do your, your worker placement, you defend your castle um, and it, 
people often refer to it as tower defense, which I think is actually kind of an accurate description now. But in the development of it, we didn't set out to say, let's make a tower defense game. We just set out for like, what's the combat mechanic going to look like? Yeah. And, it, and it feels very tower defense-y, um, except usually tower defense has like a winding path with towers and stuff. Right. Ours is just a four-sided yeah. castle and you're just being attacked on those sides. Well, we always we always had a physical a physical castle you were defending. So that was always yeah. a thing. Yeah. We always wanted to have that. And that toy factor was huge. Like I want to do, I love building a castle, you know? Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm oh, looking yeah. at the pictures and like a couple of videos of gameplay and I'm like, I could get into this deep. <laughs> oh yeah. And for me, you know, strongholds always been my, one of my favorite video game series. And so we definitely mined heavily from that. Cause that's also pretty historically accurate as far as how they like have the gong farmer and all those things. But, um, but yeah, so after basically that is the the core of the game, and then one of the more unique mechanics is instead of having a pile of gold as your gold and gold as victory points, we have a gold track. But that is also tied to your invader strength. Mm -hmm. So any card that comes up has three different gold levels on it. So the richer you are, basically the more points you have in the game, the harder the attack is. So the key is not like most games where you're just gain victory points as fast and aggressively as you can it's gain victory points that you can actually hold on to because if you get sacked you lose a bunch of victory points right yeah and so that's yeah, sort of the core it, tension of it it kind of ends up with a with a bit of a dominion tension where like you know toward somewhere you have to really start leaning into getting the victory points but you have to make sure you, you don't do it anyway you have to make yeah, sure that you can support yeah. the amount of gold that you've got yeah and you, you don't, can weather you don't want to get it yeah, you don't want to get it get too many points too quickly and then get an attack that you can't withstand and yeah, then exactly. just get sacked right away. Or, yeah, you've got to build yeah. up your foundation and your defenses and get all your little troops and your little towers in place uh, to weather whatever storm is coming. And the, way, and the way in which it's not... It's mostly a Euro game as those categories exist, but the way in which it's not, and this is definitely Evanized personality and also hopefully players like this too, uh, is that the attacks, you only... At the end of the game, there's going to be five cards that you don't know about, right? So we got the four, it's four invaders, and then we have the uh, the siege card as well. Those are all square cards. They're all coming from a randomized direction. You know about one card only. So one card, you know what it's going to be, where it's coming from. Okay. And as the turns go on, more cards reveal, it maxes out at that total number. Um, but you, you don't know exactly what direction it's coming from. You don't know how hard it's going to be for sure. And so that element of randomness to us is the excitement. Um, and for a lot of people, they like that too. If you're like a real hardcore, must know everything, perfect min-max Euro player, that could be the sticking point for you. Yeah. So we, we do have mitigating factors in there. You know, like you can plan ahead. You can get these cards that help minimize exactly. the effects of the randomness. And you can get these tokens that help you optimize your placement and really minimize those random outcomes. But at the same time, randomness is part and parcel to the game. Yeah. So if you yeah. just hate it and don't want any randomness in your game and you want to know exactly, like map out like a solvable, perfect game and know that you can do that from round one to round seven, like this is not that game. Yeah. But yeah, is that a good overview for you on what's going on with the game? Yeah, I think it is. I'm, I'm glad that you, you shared that. So... So I'm going to use like simple terms here. So, so each player is sort of building up their own dominion as they see fit. Yes. And, and each player, cause it's a two to four player game, right? Yeah. yeah. And so each player is not explicitly their enemy, 
like you don't actually attack the other players. Correct. Right. But um, when the invaders come, do uh, is everyone affected by the same invaders or the same quantity and quality of invader, or is it like you get this kind of invader and you get this kind of invader? Like how how do the invaders come? Well, the cards. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are seeing us in the same order too. The cards yeah. um, affect everyone the same in the sense that you have the same threats coming your way. Okay. But those threats change based on how much money you have and how enticing you are to those invaders. So, so the like same card, card, exactly. The same card is attacking me and Ryan. But if I've got 20 gold and he's got eight gold, there's like three invaders that see his castle and go, Maybe worth it, and there's like eleven invaders that see my castle and go, "Yeah, nice. we want those spoils." So yeah. we're still affected similarly, but it is scalar based on how much gold you have. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and one of the things I was looking at when I was uh, just kind of, you know, doing my preliminary research, um, uh, I wanted to ask about in the beginning stages when you're when you're doing the worker placement um what are the kinds of actions that you can do like what are the kinds of things that your workers can do yeah. uh, so basic actions you can do um we have kind of our basic core resources there's a woodmill you can go get the wood there's a quarry where you can get stone and you know there's a mine where you can get iron and those are the three core resources of like building resources other than that it's uh, food and gold are the other resources and so uh, your castle inherently is producing food, but there's also ways to get that by like taxing. We have a merchant location oh. where you can convert your gold into res mixed resources or your resources back into gold. Um, we also have, and so this part we haven't really brought up. There's a there is a card tableau building engine that drives most of the really uniqueness of player strategy. And so there's two locations. There's uh, refugees that are fleeing from the horde, and so you try to entice those useful skilled refugees to join your cause uh, by you know offering them food and gold. And so that's a card type you have. And we also have buildings. So there's like a, a building area too. So there's two different areas you can go to for cards, either the refugee spot or the building spot. And then you pay the, the cost of the resource on the card. So that, that way you build up tableau and special abilities and unique work replacement okay. spots just for you. Um, and then there's also a mercenary camp where you can go to get like mercenaries that just help you out for a turn. Or, uh -huh. or it's kind of a way you can pay gold to get extra troops. Um, and troops stick around the whole game, whereas mercenaries are just like you help you out for one fight sort of thing. Um, okay. And then we also have a location for scouting. And that's kind of what Evan was talking about with the, the risk mitigation, the randomness mm -hmm. mitigation, is it lets you basically wait to put your troops on the walls in the perfect position until after you see all the cards, whereas normally you have to put your troops out before you see all the cards. Um, and that scout location also provides you additional secret objectives. And so you can, you can get more secret objectives to score at the end of the game. And uh, yeah, so I think that's all the, and then there's some worker yeah. placements on your own board with like one called the stockpile where you actually go to build the castle pieces. There's mm -hmm. like a granary where you can fix your farms. There's, you know, and then we have stuff like that and place yeah. to kill your troops. So yeah. there's a whole farming element that we haven't really discussed. It's on your player board. You have these farms and the, the invaders like, you know, raise your farms and then you can't produce food from those fields. Um, and, you know, a la classic Euro style, like Agricola origins, you know, you have to feed your people. So, yeah. <laughs> so we, we start, that started very grindy in after the empire, like, very, very yeah. grindy. 
Uh, but we've got it to a place now where it's like a thing that just makes sense and it works and it's a cool tension rather than like being horribly oppressive. Um, but because we were trying to be accurate to sieges at first, which in which yes. food is horribly oppressive, but turns yes. out not very fun to do it yes. that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there's this whole other, like you have to feed your troops. So the larger your, your army is to defend the castle, the more food that you have to, to provide to, to maintain that army. Um, which just kind of is an extra tension to throw into into like how much gold can you maintain and how big of an assault can you maintain while still being able to feed the troops that are defending the castle. And of course, all the cards interact with that farming aspect as well. Not all the cards. There, are, that's one of the strategies is being good at farming too. Yeah. Yeah. So when you when yeah, you start you out, you don't want to lose all your farms and and have to turn all no. your cavalry horses into meat pies. To feed the uh, well, we do have a demon barber. <laughs> He's a bit of a Sweeney Todd nod, and he does oh. turn troops into to meat pies for you. Nice. Demon oh, barber. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We do have meat pies in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you start out, you actually do you start out with a whole castle, or do you have to build each? It's wall? like a wooden palisade, like a four-walled wooden castle. Yeah, looks very much like a wooden fort, basically. Okay, yeah. and you get that, and you get all four walls. Yes. Correct. At the beginning of the game. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. two troops, but, but you don't have any tur towers and turrets. You don't have any stone, anything. Right. Yep. It's a beautiful game. There's a lot of fun tokens, um, you know, and, and blocks. One of the things I, I'm a big fan of is the catapult meeple. Yeah. That's cool. I don't <laughs> it's think one I've of our seen... trackers. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't seen one of those before. So. Well, if I yeah. can address real briefly, I don't know if this was going to come up since you have many war gamers as uh, the core audience for your podcast here. Um, mm -hmm. We do have a lot of miniatures in the Kickstarter edition only. Oh. In the base game, it's going to be cubes and tokens, but Gray Fox has multiple times stated that they intend to release all this stuff future as a future down the line thing that you can add on and buy from them direct. Like they, yeah. they didn't call any of their Kickstarter exclusives Kickstarter exclusive. They were Gray Fox exclusive. So Gray Fox reserves the right to reprint those okay. in the future. Awesome. Um, okay. So if they want to go out and buy the retail copy because they're interested in the gameplay and the cool castle pieces, because the castle pieces are still the same 3D cool plastic yeah. in both, they yeah. should be able to buy those minis down the line. And now I will also yeah. say these are not wargaming size minis because they have to fit on the castle walls. So think of the size of a classic board game cube. That's about their footprint. And then yeah. they're about the size of a, of a joint, of a finger yeah. joint. Yeah, they're yeah, tiny little that. guys. Yeah, They're 8 millimeter bases, and then I think they're about 12 millimeters high. Yeah. yeah, and that's just because they had okay. to be able to fit within our, our world here. Now, they do look really cool when they're all out. They look really cool. Yeah. It will be a challenge for your painters, but I'm excited <laughs> to see what they look like when they're done. Yeah. yeah I got to tell you, there are war games in that scale. So mm -hmm. I remember Epic 40K, man. Use them. Yeah. Yeah. I miss it. Oh, yeah, you could totally, you could totally, you know, take a square and just like glue these dudes onto a square for army formations and all that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Magnets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's probably Ooh. even better. That's oh, man. Magnetize inside your castle. That's I'm old sexy. school. They're hollow. We could totally put magnets inside those and then that magnetize the bases. That's really cool, actually. So awesome. I might do that. Yeah, That'll I be the put you in charge of that. <laughs> that's going to require so many neodymium <laughs> magnets for like, what is it? Uh, eight castle walls yeah. per player times four. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Eight that's troops can fit on the wall. I've got yeah. these meat hooks. I can't get in there. That's yeah. on you. Yeah, yeah. Fair. So, so the game's out now. Um, yes. Yes. The Kickstarter took place two years ago, something like that. A year that. and a half or so, yeah. yeah. September okay. 2019 was the conclusion. Yeah. Okay. So where can people buy it? 
right now you can pre-order it direct from Gray Fox. And I know at least one person has said they've already received their pre-order retail copy from Gray Fox. So they are already right. shipping those. Um, game stores that backed it, I think there was like 26 game stores that actually backed it. And one of them was the Portland game store who had it and already sold out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about Gray. I think that Red Castle also, I assume, backed it, but I don't know for sure. I think so too. I actually haven't checked in with uh, yeah. with Matthew in a minute, um, so they may or may not have already got them and already sold out of them. But it's yeah. worth giving them a call to find out. Totally. Yeah. Beyond that, though, um, Gray Fox Direct is one way, and then I definitely know it's hitting distribution. Um, yeah, like I've already seen the web pages. You know, from just talking to the guy about the game store for me, that like I can see it's in distribution channel pre order right now. Right. Um, and I know that's Gray Fox's plan. Mm -hmm. I don't. They, they've never let slip yet what the timeline on the distribution right. retail is. I do know that you can, it will be distributed. All the major distributors okay. seem to be carrying it and it is direct available from Gray Fox now. So if you want to support your friendly local game store, which you should I do recommend uh, going into them or calling them and saying, Hey, I want to buy this game. I want to buy it through you so that you stick around. I would rather avoid buying it you know, from some discount online place because I want this yeah. community space to exist. Yeah. Um, so if you tell the store owners that you want this game, uh, then they are more likely to actually stock that game. Yeah. yeah. And I will tell you as a previous All game store owner that like if I have three or four pre-orders that are already like pre-sold, that tells me there's an interest in the game and I'm more likely to stock more copies in addition yeah. to that. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's an ethos that we try to espouse here at this podcast. Yeah, uh, I'll know, talk to Nick first. about it for you tomorrow, yeah. Jeremiah. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I was just going to say, I stopped buying from <laughs> a long time ago. And yeah. you know, when I have play money, I wanted to go to the local place yeah. that, you know, that I'm most likely going to play the game at. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm happy that it seems like most of the game stores in our area have, have, are, you know, are still in business and, and yeah. are be okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's a rough time. It is a rough time. And yeah. so, you know, and so I, I want them to be to be to succeed. And so we, we talked about a lot of that in our podcast about ordering directly yeah. through our local store. So Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate yeah, that. I, I yeah. yeah. And and being being a game store employee, I always encourage people to shop their local store. Like as a player, I also understand like trying to save a little bit of money. Yeah. It's like those other big retailers that are online, like they don't need your money as much as like your local stores, especially during times like these. Like I heavily encourage anyone to like, if you can get it from a local store, please get it from a local store because, um, because you know, when we can start going to stores again and events and things like that, that's where you're going to be going. Like you can't go to an Amazon distribution center and set up a board game in the middle, like of, the, yeah. <laughs> of their warehouse, you know, but you can right. go to your local game stores like PGS or guardian or red castle or uh, guardian or not guardian, uh, uh, rune board. And, uh, and you can play at those places. And I, I yeah. always encourage people to try to buy from your local stores when you can. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 100%. Yeah, we're we're all about that. And I, I wish we, you know, we're at non-COVID times. I would love to have done a proper, like, meet know, and greet right? release at our at these two stores. Yeah. And hopefully we can do that yeah. after the fact. But, you know, yeah. who knows when that will be and if <laughs> that will still be relevant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, before we before we uh, part ways, uh, I've got a few more questions for you. I'm looking at a picture here. There is a card here called Red Castle Inn. Yep. Is that an Easter egg? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, we, so our game, 
definitely there is if you look for it mm -hmm. there is there are some easter eggs and there are some tongue-in-cheek things uh some of them are more obvious like the demon barber uh some of them are less obvious um but it's definitely in there and it definitely represents our kind of sense of humor and yeah yeah, we, we both kind of have the ethos that like yeah. games, like while they can be taken seriously, it can still be funny and not ruin yeah. the serious tone yeah. of a game, you know? Like one of the promos yeah. that we were very thankful survived is the quarry dude, because when we were developing it, we couldn't figure out what the name of a dude is who like, like is he a quarrier? Is he a, is it like a stuff? So we're <laughs> like, yeah, it's a quarry dude. <laughs> and the name stuck. And yeah, so there is a quarry dude. <laughs> Yeah, his name was Quarry Dude for like four years. Yeah, nice. oh man, he wasn't the Stone Cutter. He was a Quarry Dude. Yeah, so he's a, he's a Kickstarter promo, and thankfully yeah. they let the Gray Fox. The people who work at Gray Fox are very fun individuals as well, uh, cool. and so they were they were willing to humor us to a limited extent on those things. Oh, we stood our ground <laughs> yeah. on that. We stood the ground on Quarry yeah. Dude. Yeah, this has to be. Well, in I, yeah, that's cool. I was I was watching the like two little the two minute teaser that's um that's on the Kickstarter page and I was showing like a couple of different cards and I noticed the farmhand <laughs> the farmhand is like this shirtless chiseled sweaty dude oh yeah, yeah. we very that's, specifically that's such, requested like, that artwork that was like yes. we paid for that artwork in that form. Yes. exactly <laughs> it's such a yeah. funny like trope <laughs> totally That's, uh, I think that was farmhand like I think that oh, was Ted Audison or maybe it was Bacon Strap but I think Ted Audison <laughs> there was a couple of Swedish artists that I commissioned uh and we basically said cover of steamy novel romance yeah. novel yeah it's, like, this it's is very much like novel. <laughs> and the guy is the, <laughs> the artist was like cool and uh, he delivered it was, uh, it's it awesome. was all because it started with evan had like used like terrible stock art in the original prototype and he grabbed just look like fabio or something for the farmhand <laughs> and put flavor text about like there being much weeping when he was taken from his village yeah and it was like it just stuck <laughs> he was the only <laughs> available bachelor left yeah oh man so what's next for you two are you gonna create another game uh, we have created already many more games and are in the yep. process of it. In fact, we're meeting tonight to work on more yep. after the Empire and oh, that. Okay. Yep. Nice. Yeah, uh, Evan has cool. uh, his own game going right now, that uh, a Druid-based game that you could talk more about, Evan. But um, So he has that going on. He has another game he's developing with uh, actually several games with some other people. Him and I have like five to seven active games in the hopper right now yeah, that are being worked on. One of which has a gentleman's agreement uh, with a with a company that has yet to actually contractually sign it. So we yeah. don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, yeah, um, COVID has thrown a lot of wrenches. Yeah, it works. Sure has. I mean, yeah. in the game industry plus every industry. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely still working. The last year killed my creative juices for about a year solid. I kind of just took a breather because like it's hard hard for me to be creative with the state of the world at that time. Yeah. But I think yeah. as we've all adapted, yeah. it's I'm kind of I've come out the other side of that and I'm feeling very yeah. creative right now. So Yeah, same, same. Yeah. So how do we follow you? How do we what's the best way of doing that? Uh, okay, I guess that's me. Uh, yeah, so Evan Evan is pretty active doing uh, posts on our our web page, which is mostly moderated by him. So that's portlandgamecraft.com. Okay. Uh, we have a Portland Gamecraft Facebook page. We also have, for specifically After the Empire, you can go to Gray Fox's uh, Facebook page or After the Empire has its own standalone Facebook page. Um, we post a decent amount on Instagram, but we're not super heavy on the social media. We are active as individuals, but as company, we don't really like 
we're not yeah. super crazy, but we, you know, we have those sources. And if something big is happening, we will certainly be saying it in those places. Yeah. We, we have an email list and I think we've sent one, one, you got to be careful with email lists. You don't want to make people unsubscribe. That's, so. that's probably underdoing yeah. it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, underdoing you it. probably send like another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but one yeah. every three years is probably reasonable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the best way is to get a hold of us. If you uh, post a question, the board game geek form, or on a Facebook page that we're a part of, we will we will see it and we will respond to it. So, yeah, 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 awesome. Yeah, and I found your Portland Great uh, Gamecraft .com and right there on the landing page, there's a, a place to sign up. So yeah, this was great. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm. I was a little disheartened when I discovered that the minis were Kickstarter inclusive. Because yeah. uh, that means I missed out on that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but hopefully, maybe I can pester you know uh, Gray Fox to reprint yeah. them or nab the last copy at Red Castle if they still got them because those will be Kickstarter copies. Oh, good point. Yeah, because any store that has it right now, it was they were Kickstarter backers. So right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, which I don't know if they have any. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this this was uh, this was great, Chad. Any any closing thoughts? Any ideas? No, I uh, I actually um, hadn't heard about it until like right before we started doing this, and so I was like doing a little oh. quick research. But it's it was fascinating <laughs> to hear about your guys' process and everything, and yeah. um, that's always something that I I feel like that's one of the the couple of things that a lot of um, people that are involved in games and stuff like that. It's like one of those up in the cloud streams that people always have is like, I either want to work in a game store or own a game store or make my own games. And yep. it's really cool to see that there are people in our local area that have nailed all three of those things and are still continuing right. to do it. So uh, I would recommend partnering for... with Evan if you want to do those things. He's pretty good at getting <laughs> you over the, over the finish line. I'm, yeah, I'm see, all about following I'm kind of like Evan is like, I'm a little bit better at refining, refining things or tweaking things. I'm not as much of an idea man as, as other people. It was the same thing in my, my uh, film career too. When I was going to film schools, I was always a better editor than I was an actual idea person. So yeah, I just yeah. need to find my Ryan apparently yeah. that yes, just exactly. throw ideas exactly. at, a, at a board. So, yeah. but that, and, no, that's awesome guys. And Evan, if you ever need someone to hype your game at a con, that's my role. Or play test. I, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm, or play test. And, and I <laughs> am horrible at hype. So yeah. I'm all about the hype. So, and, and, like, and I have well, a game. You might like it. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> <in the laughs> knows that I'm all about the hype. So yeah. And and Jeremiah's personal goal is to play all of the games. So all yeah. the games. That's my he's, personal goal. He's always down <laughs> nice. to try something new. Well, we're happy to play with you guys. And if you ever want to, even if we can't get a physical together or get you a physical copy, uh, there's a fully scripted tabletop simulator mod that's official by Gray Fox. Yep. Uh, and okay, we are always cool. happy to get on board and play a game with y'all some night. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I'm going to take you up on that probably. Definitely. So, yeah. I would like that. So, hey, I want to thank you for being a part of this show today. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening today. Um, I'm going to have some links in the show notes specifically for um portlandgamecraft.com and then um and then of course links for how to find us as well as store miniatures at discord and facebook and all the places uh take care great thanks, thanks. guys thanks for having us
Thank you.